Hello, hello. I am Ashley Caudill, Senior Instructional Designer at the School of Education and Human Development at the University of Virginia, and welcome to Designed for Online. In this podcast, we will discuss hot topics around online teaching and learning. We will be posting new episodes the first and third Tuesday of every month, so be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out. Hello everyone and welcome to Designed for Online. I am so excited today because this is the first time that my entire team will be joining me for an episode. So thank you ladies for being here today. Before we jump in, could you quickly introduce yourself to our listeners so they can get a better sense of the wonderful people I get to work with every day? I am Bernadette Porio, fondly known at EHD as Burn. Um, I am the online student support specialist at our school and depending on our online program that may look different but pretty much I exist to ensure that our online students have a high quality educational experience so that may look like helping students with pre admissions questions as they apply and matriculate to our school and then as they're graduating to help them um, graduate successfully. I also work closely with our director of student affairs to offer um, inclusive programs and events for our online students. And I run our Canvas virtual community, which has um, about 2,000 enrollments of faculty, staff, and students. So it's a pretty fun job. And I'm so excited to be here today. Hi, good morning. Um, I am Kimberly Bavis, and I am an instructional designer and technologist for EHD. I am here to support faculty in their courses. And previous to this, I was a middle school special education teacher. That leaves me. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenny Quarles. I'm the director of the team. And just like Burn on any given day, that might mean something different um, from supporting this amazing staff and making sure they're successful in their work to working with accreditors to make sure our online programs are following all the rules and regulations, to thinking about new programs, to thinking about retiring programs. And excitingly, we have a new non-credit initiative that's starting this spring. Jenny, you forgot to mention that you were the co-host for our Ask Ashley segment of this podcast. (laughs) You know, I just, I really feel like you own it. And I just get to, again, help you shine. So I I don't know about co-host as much (laughs) as featured guest. Okay, well, featured guest. Um, But there everybody has it, the entire education online and Canvas support team at the School of Education and Human Development at UVA. I always say that we are small, but I like to think that we are very mighty. So (laughs) ladies, the spring semester has just started. And as you are aware, it is such a busy time for us, as well as busy for our faculty. There are just so many things that we need to think about when starting a new semester. So today, I want to talk about some tips that we can give our faculty who want to start the semester off right. So Bern, I'm going to kick it to you first because you are our online student support specialist. So do you have any tips for our faculty on how they can best support their students at the beginning of the semester? Thanks, Ashley. Yes, I have a couple of tips that I've gathered to share 
with our faculty, the first tip I'd like to share is kind of for all faculty, whether they're teaching face-to-face, online synchronously, um, online asynchronously. But what I would suggest is to humanize yourself for your students. So introduce yourself, give your students information about yourself, your background, and then also gather information about your students. This can look like a first day of class fun fact, which I know many students hate, but I love fun facts. This can look like a welcome discussion board in an asynchronous class. Um, in my in the in years past when I've taught face-to-face, um, I have students fill out a form and on the form I always like to ask students, what do you think I need to know about you? Um, and that is a great way to gather information for your students, especially because so many of our students have competing responsibilities. We have students who are working full-time, we have students who have families, we have students who may be the primary breadwinner for their families. So having that information, especially in a two plus year long pandemic, um, I think is really, really helpful uh, as a semester starts. An example of that would be one time I was teaching a class and I asked my students, hey, what do you want me to know about you? And one of my students shared that she was pregnant with their first child. And I hadn't, it wasn't obvious and I'm not the kind of person to ask, Um, but it was really helpful to know because she was going to be having different doctor's appointments and her becoming a first time mom really framed her time in the class. So that was just really helpful for me to know. Um, Any questions or thoughts about that? I know as an instructional designer, you probably really encourage to to do that as faculty are starting their courses. No, I do. And I think that's a great first tip. I always ask my faculty, especially if they're teaching asynchronously, to make a quick video of themselves. Because if you're teaching asynchronously, a lot of students aren't even going to know what you look like or even your mannerisms. Because sometimes in asynchronous courses, if you are doing a lot of text, then they're not going to know your humor or how you come off. So just make a nice introduction video so students know who you are and they feel comfortable when it comes to office hours or anything like that. And then one thing I feel like a lot of people may overlook is let students know how to get a hold of you. A lot of times faculty might just forget that sometimes students don't know if they should email you, if they if you feel comfortable um, with them having your phone number. I know some faculty do, some faculty don't. Um, if there is a specific email that you want them to do, if there's a specific day and time that you want them to be able to communicate with you. So just let them know the best way to get a hold of you and what your expectations are of when you should be able to respond. Is it within 24 hours, 48 hours, just so that way students kind of know when they should expect a response from you. Yeah, I just wanna add that sometimes the way I frame much of what you guys were talking about is the word presence. And so, and and that would definitely be a tip I would share is that all of those things combined along with being regularly active and engaged in your course is defining a sense of presence. Like that you are a real person Um, And being transparent when things go wrong for you, you don't have to share personal information with your students, but that's a part of building the community. Um, So if you were coming into the um, classroom and you looked a little extra tired that day, you know, students would notice. It's a similar kind of thing, right, where we want to help our students understand where we're at as well to be good humans and good community members. So all of the things you guys said, and then just thinking about how you're going to be present in that classroom and honoring that way that you're going to be present by being reliable and meeting those student expectations. 
I also wanted to say a lot of faculty at the beginning of the semester will share if they're on Twitter or have like a social media presence. I love when a faculty shares their professional Twitter uh, handle. And Jewett is a faculty member I think about who does this really well. Ashley Hosbach, our librarian, does this really well. And I know a number of faculty at our school um, interact with students on Twitter. I personally interact with students on Twitter and it's a great way to, you know, it's less formal and it's just fun. And that's something else to think about as the semester starts. I actually just had a design consultation with a faculty member who utilizes Twitter. And he said that it connected his students with authors of the books that they, or the textbooks that they're reading in class and how great and engaging that was for the class. So I'm a big proponent of Twitter. I thought it was super cool. And I was like, maybe I should get a Twitter. Burns been telling me to get a Twitter this whole time I've been working with her. And I was like, maybe I should. Uh, I love Twitter. Um, my next tip would be, and I think this goes more so for our online faculty, um, but take a course census within the first week of the course. Many students enroll and they think, oh, I didn't show up, so I'm out of the course. I'm not, I didn't do any of the first week's assignments, so they think I dropped the course. And unfortunately at EHD, that's not really how it works, right? Um, for a student to drop a course, they have to quite literally drop it within SIS, our student information system, and that'll help them to not be charged. Um, but at the beginning of every semester, we see many students either not realize that class has started, assume that they've been dropped, and they'll get charged um, without them knowing. And it just, and that also kind of confuses the instructor who may be making groups based on the course roster. Um, so in, my big suggestion for this would be take a course census. And if a student has not logged into your course site or participated within a discussion or anything within the first week, I have done many a cold call to a student to be like, hey, are you okay? You're in this class and we haven't, you haven't done anything yet. And a lot of times they may not realize the class has started or like I said, they just assume that they've been dropped. Um, and I think a course census can really help to mitigate those issues. I recently had a conversation with a faculty member where they were asking me like, how, how upfront should they be about ad drop dates? And I was like, um, incredibly upfront. Um, engage your students in that conversation in your second week message, maybe even first week message, remind them of those dates. Specifically our graduate students and online graduate students the policies and procedures around ad drop can be a little bit confusing. And so anything we can do to demystify that, I think will set everyone up for success. You don't want a student in your class who doesn't really want to be there or who's going to lose money if they leave late. So as much as you can be transparent about that, I think that's great. If you add it to your syllabus, just remember that those dates change semester to semester. And so you just need to make sure that you're keeping that up to date. If not a syllabus, again, like an announcement or an email to your class, that would be that would be probably really helpful. Thank you so much, Bern, for giving these awesome tips for our faculty. I know they're going to really appreciate it. So I am, pleasure. <laughs> I am now going to kick it to Kim, who focuses a lot on our technical side of instruction. So Kim, do you have any tips that you can share with our faculty who may be a little bit nervous about the technical side of teaching? I do. Um... The first tip that I would give kind of builds off what Jenny just said. And an important thing from a, a technical design standpoint would be to make sure you go through your course as a student. This can be checking to make sure things are published um, or things are being released when you want them to be if you're using that feature on Canvas um, or whatever learning management system people are utilizing. Making sure that your content is accessible 
whether that means captioning or posting a transcript along for all learners, not just those with disability requests, and making sure that your syllabus is up to date. I know a lot of people, like what Jenny was saying, use the same syllabus over and over, and sometimes like dates are wrong and students get confused when they're in the spring semester and it says that it's due on October 24th. Um, so I find that a lot when I'm going through course design consultations with faculty, just reminding them to keep all those due dates up to date and the accessibility standpoint as from a student point of view. Kim, I love that tip because I, when I was teaching, I can't tell you how many times I had dead links in my course. Like, I don't think there's ever a time I have not had a dead link in my course. And for a lot of our faculty, you know, they might be pointing to websites or articles and a lot of those links change. So not only could maybe something go a little wrong in the copy or transfer of content process, but in general, all of those professional sites we use, all of a sudden something's behind a paywall or the link is dead and man, students both get frustrated, but like, let's be honest, there's that subset of students who don't say anything. And so then there's this dead link and you're assuming they read the article and it comes out weeks later that the link was dead and no one read it, except for like the A plus student who went and found the article on their own. I can say as a student that that has happened to me multiple times. <laughs> so thank you so much, Kim, for the technical side. I know that our faculty, as well as even just some of the instructional designers that are listening, are going to find a benefit of just the reminder to check for broken links and updating due dates in their course too, because sometimes in copy transfers that we do, we might have forgotten to remove all the due dates. So thank you for those tips. Okay, Jenny, you are up next, our residential expert of all of the things from instructional design to the technical side of our LMS and student support. Do you have any final tips that you would like to share with our faculty on how to start the semester successfully? I have one major tip. So as you guys know, and your listeners will soon know, I have become obsessed with feedback. It might have come out in some other Ask Ashley's, but I am, I'm obsessed with this idea about feedback. So um, earlier in the fall, I got exposed to a great book, um, and we can definitely add a link to it in show notes that's about feedback in higher education. And while, you know, it's a book and I don't necessarily agree with hundred percent everything in the book, it did open my eyes to the fact that just like a lot of things in education, the feedback model might be a little bit outdated. So not only do we have new tools and technologies that can help us deliver feedback, but also maybe the way feedback works, just the cycle of feedback needs to be re revised, right? And so I don't expect, especially at this date, right, faculty to go find the book and read the book. But if I was going to give one tip to faculty around the feedback process in their class, it would be to engage the students more in the feedback process. And that can look a lot of different ways, especially online, but certainly even in person. Some of my favorite takeaways from the book were asking the students to submit a cover sheet with their maybe more major assignments, right? This wouldn't be for minor assignments that asks specifically what they'd like feedback on. And that could be categorized in terms of, you know, like the technical components of an assignment, right? Like grammar or um, the setup of APA, but it also could be feedback around the content. So very specific feedback questions because 
on the flip side of that, I think faculty, as much as they love teaching, I bet we've all heard the, oh, I have to grade, right? Yes, I see the nodding heads. Um, and of course, they, they're looking forward to seeing students work. They're looking forward to helping them grow, but it is a lot of work. And so if it becomes a dialogue, you know, here's what I want. Feedback. This is where I'm looking to grow. This is where I want feedback, right, as a student. And on the flip side, from the faculty perspective, here's what I want to give them feedback on, but I'm open to helping them develop, right, where it's important for them to develop. I think that makes the feedback more actionable and more engaging for the students because they're going to be looking to have their questions answered. And then feedback shouldn't just stop. So uh, it's very common in our classes, and I think certainly around higher education, where you're building to that final big assignment and you're going to give all this feedback on it. And then what? <laughs> right? The class is going to end. And hopefully they'll read that feedback and they'll absorb that feedback. But what are they going to do with it? So maybe you need to think about your assessment cycle. Maybe you need to think about the next class they're going to be taking. And in graduate education, that's easier to do, right? Because we probably know roughly what classes they're probably going to take as a part of their master's or doctorate degree. And so there's an opportunity to not just give feedback on that assessment, but to set them up for success in that next class. So really kind of framing that feedback on how can you take this and make it actual in class number two or three or four. Um, so you'll hear a lot, a lot more from me in this spring about feedback, um, whether on the podcast or elsewhere, because again, I'm a little obsessed, but I hope some faculty can take these ideas and start thinking about how they can make that feedback more of a dialogue and more actionable. Jenny, I think that's a really good point um, that you brought up about it. It is overwhelming and it is a lot of work. And a lot of these professors have had these courses built, whether in person or in online, and they know the order that they want to do things. So changing things is really daunting, especially since everybody was forced to go online. Um, so I would suggest, I thought of this, um, looking into one new thing to do in one of your courses. Don't try to take on the world and revamp everything, but whether it's revamping how you're giving feedback or looking at a new instructional technology to support your learning outcomes. Uh, I've been working with two separate professors uh, on developing rubrics for their assignments and assigning them so that they can give the feedback that they want to give on what they're looking for, but can also use the comments to give um, other feedback. So it's just something that if you take it on little by little, you can keep improving your course without the overwhelming need to change everything all at once. I think that's a really great point, Kim, because I think sometimes there's all these different changes and big redesigns that instructors want to do at the end of the semester, and they have all these great ideas, but taking it one step at a time, I really can help, can really help prevent how overwhelming it can be when it's at the start of the semester. And I did want to mention something in regards to feedback that Jenny was saying is that I think when it comes to feedback, it might be a great idea to ask your students the type of feedback that they would want. I have some students that like the annotated comments within a paper, but we also have some students that may just want a video walkthrough of as an instructor is reading their paper for the first time, their initial thoughts and where there might be confusion or where maybe they might need to elaborate in a couple things. But just asking your students 
not only like here are the questions that you want answered, but how do you want me to answer those? Do you want it to be in a video-based format, audio-based format, text format, just to be able to get a sense of what your students like. And even if it's just you change it up a little bit, it can just kind of really be able to connect with your students and really giving them what they strive for to be able to be successful in the course. Does anybody else have anything else that they wanted to add on tips because we are getting at our time today, but I didn't want to cut anybody off if they had any one last major tip that they wanted to share. Uh, take care of yourself. I think our yes. are <laughs> tired and, you know, Burns said it, we're still dealing with unprecedented world events and so we just need to be mindful that we're all human and all trying our best and certainly it doesn't have to be perfect showing up every day is in itself amazing so thank you faculty for all you're doing and we're excited for your spring semester going off of that jenny i think we're in a unique place where we are teaching a lot of educators like people to become educators and just remembering and poising yourself as someone who's still learning. Uh, everyday professors are learning how to teach online or learning how to do something new and modeling that for the students in higher ed is really beneficial. Well, that is about all the time we have today. Thank you again, ladies, for taking the time to have such a great conversation. I know I appreciate it and I know our faculty are going to. The beginning of the semester can be such a hectic and busy time for everyone, so I hope our tips can help alleviate some of the stress that you may be feeling right now, and it gives you a little boost of confidence and reassurance on how you can have a successful start to the semester. So good luck, everybody. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. If you have an exciting topic you want to hear on our future Designed for Online episodes, feel free to email me at ac8ga at virginia.edu. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon.